welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Uh, without further ado, we are actually ending today our, our series that we've been in called What to Expect When We're Expecting. We had planned to do a four-week series um, in March, and uh, it's been a great series. It's kind of been one of those series that I feel like has framed our experience. And what I mean by that is, you, you know, you get a word from God sometimes, and and then the word kind of plays out in our life. And I feel like it's been playing out, you know, what to expect when we're expecting. We've been talking about since the beginning that one of the things that we can expect when expecting is to not know what to expect, to expect the unexpected. And everything that the world is living right now, everything that we are living right now in Canada, in Ontario, really has been unexpected. I don't think anybody on the planet right now has been through what we are going through right now. This pandemic uh, has caused so many uh, shifts and changes. It's rattled the cages, but you know this is kind of this. This is the series. This is what we're talking about: is how to how to deal with the unexpected when it happens. How to how to position ourselves so we don't miss out on in the midst of the unexpected. We don't miss out on all the good that I believe God wants to bring in and through our lives. And so I know it's been an encouragement for many people. Um, you know, Proverbs sixteen verse one. The, 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 the writer says this, go ahead and make all the plans you want, but it's the Lord who will ultimately direct your steps. In the end, it's not about if God will do it, but it's always about how he will do it. We can make the plans we want. We can you know, have the goals, the targets, but in the end, things change. In the end, the unexpected happens. In the end, surprises come along the way, but God has a plan and he's directing our steps. Just a few verses later in verse 9, it says, Within your heart, you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. Once again, you can make plans for your future, but it's the Lord who chooses the steps. There are steps that are happening right now that weren't a part of our plan. There are things that are happening right now in this pandemic that were not a part of our plan. People have lost their jobs. People, you know, have lost potential promotions that they were expecting to get and made financial commitments and now don't know how to adjust. You know, small businesses have, have, have closed down. Businesses have let hundreds and thousands of staff to, you know, go. And, and things are just rattling on all cylinders right now and firing on all, all cylinders right now. But in the end, we know that God has a plan. And this is not a cliched thing to say. Listen, if you, if you, if you let Jesus into your life, and you got and you and you get to know him a little bit you get to know that when these things happen there's always a redemptive element within every hard season 
And uh, that's my prayer for you, is that, you know, you, you hear all the news. You're hearing all the bad news. I want to give you some good news. That there is something good that's going to come out of this for each and every one of you. But you got to lean in. It's so easy to lean into the negative report, the bad report. You know, and, and, and you know, Paul encourages us to, 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 to be um, thankful in all circumstances, to pray without ceasing. Ceasing. Peter also says, you know, focus what's on what's praiseworthy, what's what's honorable, what's of good report. And these are some ways that we position ourselves in seasons like this to get a hold of what God wants to bring uh, out of it. So week one of our series, we talked about the process of preparation. It was a great interview. It's not online, uh, but it was a great interview with some uh, leaders in our house. Week two, we talked about fighting fear with fear. We had a living room conversation with some leaders talking about how we fight fear. Actually, it's with fear. If you haven't heard that, I know it will really impact your life. Go listen to that. Week three, we talked about divine interruptions. That was last week, divine interruptions, how blessings that come to our life often come through inconvenient ways. And so, you know, like I've been saying, we have an opportunity in this season. I feel like today, God wants to deliver us of some major things in our life, mindsets, um, you know, wrong heart postures towards people and situations that have happened in our life that maybe we're still carrying the residue or the result of in our life that's stopping us from moving forward. Whether you are aware of it or not, I believe today, if you would open up your heart, God is going to uproot some stuff that has been deeply rooted in your life. And I believe that some blind spots are going to be exposed. And I just believe God's going to set you free in a new way. Because what we're talking about today happens often when the unexpected in our life happens and we it doesn't go the way that we've planned. And we're going to address it in just a few moments. But I want to open it up with a scripture out of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, the Hebrew writer says this out of the Passion Translation. It says, watch, watch, very important word, watch. Look carefully, some translations would say it. Like, it says, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Watch and make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Why? The revelation of God's grace is the enabling power that God gives us. I mean, we're saved by grace through faith. Grace is the enabling power from God that allows us to live according to the plan that he has for us. Without grace, we cannot do what we're called to do when it comes to the destiny and the purpose that God has for us. Each and every one of you out there right now has a purpose and a plan that God has ordained since the beginning of time. The only way to live that out is by a revelation of God's grace. So watch, the writer is saying, that you don't miss the grace of God. And it says this, and make sure no one... So not only watch for others that they don't miss the grace of God, but make sure no one, those around you, or no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. I think it's important that we, we make note of this, is that he says, make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness. He's not saying make sure you don't live with a root of bitterness. He's making, he says, make sure that people around you don't. Why? Because bitterness often is something that we as people cannot see that we have. But others around us see it. 
So the, the writer is encouraging that, you know, you are in charge. Actually, the, one of the words when it says, uh, the verse 15, right at the beginning where it says watch, that word watch is related to one of the same words in the original language that could be translated as bishop or to be an overseer. So you are to watch as a bishop or as an overseer of the people around you to see their blind spots because they don't see them. They're called blind spots for a reason. Watch over them. They don't miss God's grace, which allows them to live according to God's you know, plan according to his standard, but also watch over them because a root of bitterness is so sneaky. It's so sneaky and it comes in and often those with bitterness don't know they have it. And I would say this, that almost everyone out there listening in some areas of their life have bitterness and don't even know it. And it manifests in different ways. It manifests in the way we treat our neighbors, the way we treat our family, our kids, our spouses, our friends, our co-workers, the way we even perceive God at times. It manifests in subtle ways when you bring up, you know, certain conversations that, that trigger certain responses. How many know people out there that have no-go zones? What are no-go zones is zones you can't go with the people that you're connecting with. You can't bring up certain conversations or certain things that trigger responses. Often, it's a result of deeply rooted bitterness that the people that have it aren't even aware and so we're talking about this today, and I believe God's going to root, uproot some stuff. He's going to pull it out like a weed in the garden. He's going to yank it at the roots today. And I just believe if you open up your heart and be and lean in today, I believe God's going to do amazing thing through your life, even as you're watching wherever you are. Maybe you're going to want some tissue. Get ready. I believe God's going to do some deliverance. The, the, the message today, if you're taking notes, write this down, is keeping the heart right. Keeping the heart right. Don't be a bitter sitter. Come on, say it out loud. Even if you're alone, don't be awkward. Don't be a bitter sitter. I didn't say babysitter. I said bitter sitter. Why? Because many of us have been babysitting bitterness five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years, and we're not even aware of it. We don't even realize that we've been nourishing and nurturing this bitterness in our life. We've been cultivating more of it. We've been watering it like a seed, watering it like a plant without even knowing by just living life, by not acknowledging it, by not dealing with the hard things in our life, the issues of our life. We've been babysitting. We've been bitter sitting this bitterness. And I believe God wants us to stop and let it go today. That God wants to expose it in the, in the most encouraging way possible to set us free from the areas that are holding us back in our life. It says this in Proverbs chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Why do we keep that? Why do we need to keep the heart right? Because if we have the heart right, if the heart is healthy, this bitterness won't be able to have the type of hold that it has on many of us. It's set another translation in the New Living Translation, the same chapter, same verse, says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If the heart determines the course of your life, you know you need to keep the heart right. You know that you need to spend time you know, nurturing it, taking care of it, making sure that you have community around you, that you don't miss the mark, that you don't have these blind spots that are, that are sabotaging your destiny over and over again. People see it. You know, people see it, they smell it, they sense it, whether they say it or not, 
they're experiencing it. And we don't want to be people walking around blind all of our lives to the things that are holding us back. It's, it, listen, it especially gets harder as you get older. The older you get, the harder it is to see it because you get so used to it. You get so used to bitter sitting that you don't even know you're doing it. You don't even, you're not even aware of it and until someone starts to press on the buttons. You all have buttons, don't you? Until those buttons begin to get pressed, we all have them. We're not fully aware that something may be off, something may be wrong. And so I'm going to pray something. God, God I, I just pray that you would create an atmosphere in every home right now that you would set an environment for freedom this morning. That, God, you'd open up our heart. I pray that you would literally deliver us in a powerful way. Chains that are shackling us in the spirit, that are holding us down. Maybe we're afraid of stepping out in this season to some things that we've always wanted to step out into, but we're afraid of failing. And because we failed in the past, that failure has become the lens through which we live through. And that failure really has caused the bitterness toward that thing or toward stepping out. And so we're afraid to do it again. Whatever the case may be, I feel like, God, it's your desire today to really set us free, to open up our minds, to open up our eyes, to see and to become self-aware. Maybe we're with somebody watching. Maybe we're with our spouse, friends, family. And as we're talking, maybe together, we're all going to begin to see each other's blind spots and where we may be leaning and where we may be tempted to let this bitterness continue to live and, and breathe. And maybe where we're bitter sitting and don't know it, I pray that you would deliver us from bitter sitting today in Jesus' name by keeping the heart right. Amen. 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 Let me just, um, you know, read it really quickly again in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Now, this illustration is taken from the growth of plants. In other words, such growth is slow. You don't always know you have it. It's slow. It's over time. Okay. So the, the, this is very important because we got to dive into sort of the illustration that's being drawn here. Um, you know, and, and what is in the plant will surely come out over time. So if it's in the seed, if there's a seed of bitterness, if you don't know that seed is there and life continues on, that seed gets watered, it begins to grow. Eventually what's in the seed begins to manifest in the tree, begins to manifest in the fruit. But like I said, it's a slow growing process. Nobody knows they're bitter the moment they get the seed. It's a slow process. They start listening to the wrong narrative, start listening to the wrong people, start listening to the wrong thought processes, entertaining the, thought, the wrong thoughts in our mind. We start to entertain these things. It begins to get nurtured. It begins to get into the soil of our heart. And then all of a sudden, out of the heart, if out of the heart flow all issues of love, life, well, let me just tell you, if the seed of bitterness gets into the heart, which is the soil of your life, the soil of faith, what ends up happening is it produces the fruit, which produces the issues that rob us from the freedom that we're all called to live. And so it's important we get this illustration. And, it, and unfortunately, it happens in community, which is why the writer actually says, you know, take care of it. Make sure no one lives a life of bitterness because it will be poisonous and it will defile or it will demoralize, it will defile many around you in community. Those around you, you get around people. I mean, you can feel when someone comes into the room and they have walls, they have walls. Often those walls are a result of some sort of deeply rooted bitterness. They're mad at themselves. 
You can be bitter at yourself and not even be aware of it. You're bad at that, that, that you failed so much in life. You're mad at yourself that you didn't do this, that you didn't do that. You live in regret. Regret is often a fruit of bitterness. You're bitter at you know, your boss for firing you, you know, 10 years ago and it sabotaged your whole life destiny. You're bitter at the market for crashing. You're bitter at this, you're bitter at that. Your spouse, maybe even your kids because of something that happened. Whatever the case may be, you're not even aware of it. Listen, eventually it affects many people around you. This is why it's so important that we as individuals are self-aware and asking God constantly, God, examine my heart because I don't want to get around, I don't want to sabotage future relationships because when they get around me, all they smell is bitterness. All they feel is awkwardness. Often when you feel awkward around people, Often, I'm not saying all, always, you feel that awkwardness, you can't go, you can't talk about certain things because there is a deeply rooted bitterness that has produced the fruit, which I would call the walls, the no-go zone walls. You just can't penetrate. You can't talk about certain things. You guys, this is what God wants to deliver us from. He wants us to learn how to keep the heart right and stop bitter sitting. Stop bitter sitting. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we don't even know it's there. There are people right now in your life right now that you don't even know it's there, but eventually, maybe you have a discernment, you can kind of tell, but you don't really know. But watch after five years, two years, it begins to manifest. It begins to defile many. It begins to poison other people's hearts. This happens in churches. This happens in organizations. It happens in communities and families. You don't even know it's there, and it slowly creeps in and begins to bring division. It begins to bring a divide, and, and relationships get destroyed. And so that's what we're talking about today. Didn't it? Bitterness is like poison. It's a form of hatred for yourself. It's a form of assault to others. It's a form of unhealthy defense rather than dealing with our issues. It's a form of selfishness that keeps us in an invisible prison or quarantine, kind of to draw a real life illustration right now. Bitterness is like being quarantined but not knowing you're quarantined, not knowing you're isolated, not knowing you're missing out on life. That's the delusion that we live in when we're in bitterness. Nelson Mandela, you know, inspiring man with the life that he lived, when he was free from prison and began to move into the fullness of his destiny, he says this, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. This is the power of realizing when you're bitter and you finally realize it because you let people in your life, you start letting God into your life. When you realize that you've been living in prison, you realize, man, this is not a life to live. This is not a life to live. I have to forgive. I have to let go. I have to see things. Uh, I have to let go of the, the pain and the hurt in, 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 psycholo uh, in psychology today, and I, I want to read a few things to you, and so just track with me, okay? I'm going to read a bunch of stuff. I just feel like it's important. I want to bring some, some sort of uh, more psychological uh, you know, explanations for the power or, or the, the effects of bitterness. In, psychological, in, psycho in, psychology, psychological, in psychology today, uh, it, it, bitterness is described as an emotional reaction and mood of bitterness is referred to as embitterment, okay? It's an emotional reaction, and mood of bitterness is referred to as embitterment, and it's an emotional state of feeling let down and unable to do anything about it 
or to always feeling like a loser. That's actually like a, a good definition from a psychological standpoint, a good definition of the power of bitterness. Embitterment is different than anger because although it involves the same outrage, it also involves feeling helpless to change things. One German professor uh, and psychiatrist, Michael Linden, actually talks about how he believes that bitterness should be diagnosed as a psychological disorder, as PTSD is, and they call it PTED. And the reason is, is because there are similarities between the results of people that live in embitterment as well as those that have PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Okay, so this is what this is what he this is the, the similarities here. Um, many of the symptoms of PTED, which is embitterment uh, syndrome, are the, the same as PTSD, such as feeling, or disorder, so not syndrome, disorder, such as feelings of helplessness, blaming yourself. This is it. And as I'm reading this, you can just kind of do a self-diagnosis right now. Blaming yourself, feeling edgy and aggressive, sleep troubles, appetite change, reduced libido, lowered... Uh, motivation and phobias around revisiting places that remind you of the event. And here's the thing, bitterness actually can be a, a, something that you find identity in. It can be something that gives you a sense of purpose, which is unfortunate, and you live to drive and feed and nurture and bitter sit that bitterness. Bitterness is actually something that gives us a sense of purpose, like I said, and even if it's negative, in this way, it can be backwards way to boost, uh, boost low self-esteem and confidence and shore up a weak sense of self-identity. It's also a way to hide from the fear of life and the fear of failing because many, um, many uh, psychologists and psychiatrists have discovered that one of the most common reasons for bitterness and the, the occurrence of bitterness or embitterment in someone's life is the fact that they've gone through failure after failure after failure, which if you want to know if you're living in that state, ask yourself, are you living in regret? Are there things that you're regretting, you wish you did do or didn't do, that are still following you 20, 30, 40 years later, five years later? Chances are there's some sort of bitter root that's beginning to form or already living inside of you. But I believe today God wants to deliver you from that. Another uh, psychiatrist in psychology today, Stephen Diamond, PhD, defines bitterness as a chronic and pervasive state of smoldering resentment and regards it as one of the most destructive and toxic of human emotions. If we repeatedly ruminate over how we've been victimized, nursing wrongs may eventually come to define some essential part of who we are. Let me just read a few more things to you, and then we're going to move on. The cost of bitterness. And I took this out of um, Psychology Today. I thought it was very powerful um, out of a, an article written on Psychology Today. The cost of bitterness. It prolongs your mental and emotional pain. It leads to long-lasting anxiety and or depression. It will prevent you from experiencing the potential joys of living fully and present or in the present versus dwelling self-righteously on the past wrongs that have been inflicted upon you. It will deepen an attitude of distrust and cynicism in one's life. 
It will interfere with your ability to cultivate healthy relationships or satisfying relationships. It will compromise or weaken your higher ideals and adversely impact your personal search for purpose and meaning in life. It will rob you of vital energy. It will undermine your physical health. The chronic anger that is bitterness can raise your stress baseline, thereby taxing your immune system by keeping you in a paradoxical state of vengeful bondage, eroding your sense of well-being. These are powerful things to remember in this process as we're talking about this. Once one psychiatrist in his study has 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 released um, a statement that he, where he believes, based upon studies, that one to two percent of the population struggle with the effects of embitterment. You guys, this is a massive pandemic around the world and we don't even know it. This is a virus that many people have been living and carrying that don't even know they have it. Similar to the coronavirus, you can be out, it's been 14 days in your system, you don't know you have it, you touch somebody, they get it, they don't know they have it, touch somebody else, and it's this multiplying effect, this rapid multiplication effect. Well, bitterness is just like that. And I would say even worse, it's a pandemic that has existed since the beginning of time. And we're all the recipients of it at some level. And we're constantly saying, God, examine. I don't want to miss the grace of God. I'm examining my heart. I don't want to live bitter towards God, bitter towards people, bitter towards my promises, my purposes, bitter towards you know, you know, money challenges, bitter towards there's so many things that we could be bitter towards and resent and not even be aware of it. God wants to us to let this go. Paul says out of prison in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, as he's in prison, writing to the, actually writing his letter to the church of Ephesus, he says this, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Do whatever you can to get rid of it. Get rid of it. If you don't know you have it, ask somebody. Do you feel like I have some bitterness? Is there no go zones? Are there, is there challenges when it comes to conversation with me? Because maybe, maybe the reason why I can't talk about certain things is because I'm still harboring some sort of bitter root in my life. Because maybe you know the fruit, but I can't see the root. Maybe you can taste the fruit, but you don't know how deep the root really goes. Because there's always fruit to every root. Ask yourself this question, how do you treat your spouse, your kids, your friends, your coworkers? Is the regret in your life? Let me just reread that same chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, out of the New King James. It says, look carefully, looking carefully, looking carefully, take great care, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up, causing trouble or cause trouble, and by this, many become defiled. We cannot forget that as much, as much as it's ruining us, our bitterness has the power to ruin those that we love around us. Bitterness is like resentment. It's, it's another, another definition of bitterness could be defined as resentment. Bitterness is a resentment, and resentment can turn into what Jesus said. Listen to this. Jesus actually said, if resentment is as hatred... Jesus said when he came onto the scene that hatred is as murder. And that there's, you know, just like, um, um, you know, lust in our mind is as adultery to our wives, to those we love, hatred is as 
murder. He likens it to the, to the same thing as murder. And now that's a, that's a pretty deep uh, topic. We can talk about that on a different day. But, but the reason why he was saying that is that it was moving from just an outward behavioral um, sort of way of evaluating life to an inward evaluation. That when Jesus came onto the scene, he came to establish the focus on now it's about the heart, not just the behavior. If I can get your heart, I can get your behavior. Whereas before, the demands were on the behavior. That's why there had to be sacrifices made over and over again to atone for the sin of the bad behavior, which is why the laws were put in place to, to, to be guidelines and tutors, to bring them to the end of themselves, to only realize that there were sinners, horrible people. But Jesus came as a better covenant, as a new covenant. He fulfilled the law, changed the game, flipped the religious system upside down. And now, now he said, basically, guys, listen, it's no longer about the outward, it's about the inward. And when you get the inward right, the outward will be the overflow of a healthy heart, of a healthy inward perspective. So if hatred is as murder, let me just say it like this, and you can write this down, and it's going to go on your screen in a second. I, I, I wrote this down this week. Bitterness is the silent murder of self while aiming at those around you. Bitterness is the silent murder of self while aiming at those around you. You blame everybody for all the reasons why you feel this way. But really what you're doing is you're destroying yourself. You're robbing yourself of living your best life, living the best version of yourself. So, you know, we're talking about bitterness. I, I want to bring you four practical or, you know, yeah, sorry, four practical keys today. And I really felt to lay out a strong foundation. My goal is to bring you to an awareness. I, I believe the Holy Spirit already is speaking to so many of you right now. My goal was to lay a solid, strong foundation to help you become aware. Maybe this is something that you're living right now in this season. Maybe, you know, in the midst of expecting one thing, you got something else and as a result it's caused you just to be mad at life mad at god mad at your friends and family mad at your spouse and you're continuing to live the fruits of that in your life i really hope that you're you're coming becoming aware now and i want to give you i believe the holy spirit wants to give you the keys now to unlock your freedom and i want to give you four keys on, on developing or, or bringing yourself to a place where you learn how to keep your heart right to stop becoming a bitter sitter. Number one, write this down. You gotta bring your praise. There's four things you gotta bring to the table in your everyday life if you wanna keep your heart right and remove this root of bitterness from your life. Bring your praise. What is praise? It's to bring honor. It's to acknowledge the goodness of God. It's to adore God. It's to see God in the midst of all the junk you know, praise is a great way to break the paralysis of our life. When we feel like we're not moving forward, we're stuck, we're challenged, we're opposed by life, we're challenged with sickness, disease, things are going on in our life. The best way to break those chains, just like Peter did in prison, is begin to praise God, begin to thank God that even though I'm in chains, even though I'm shackled, even though I'm struggling, man, I'm going to break the paralysis, I'm going to break the immobility of my life, and I'm going to start to acknowledge, God, you're good. Man, this sucks right now. Like, this is hard right now. I'm in isolation. This is hard right now. I lost my job. This is hard right now. My kids aren't, you know, are, are, are unruly right now. This is hard right now. You know, maybe our, our investments, our retirement has just been totally destroyed. This is in the midst of all of this hard. 
I'm going to praise. I'm going to bring my praise before bitterness takes its root in me. Or even because it has, and I'm seeing it now and I'm aware of it, I'm going to break it. I'm going to uproot it because I'm going to begin to acknowledge the goodness of God in my everyday life. It says in Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice, or let's say praise the Lord always. It says rejoice in the Lord always, always. This is the charge that Paul gives us. When he's running to the Philippian church, he's saying, rejoice always, praise always, despite what is happening in the midst of your isolation in this season, rejoice always. This is going to break the chains in your life. Find some good things to thank God for. Find some good things. Man, you have food on your table. You have a shelter, you have shelter to live in. You know, you have friends that love you. And, you know, whether or not... It's at the level that you want it to be. There's something that you can praise God for. There's something that you can thank God for. Maybe you almost lost your marriage. Maybe you almost lost your kids. Maybe you almost lost your job or whatever the case may be. Is there something, and I believe there always is, something that you can thank God for and bring praise to him for? When you bring your praise, it changes the game. I know when Michelle was in the hospital, and there was a potential of she wasn't going to make it. This was years ago. The only thing that I can do, you know, and I was, uh, I, was a, I was an emotional mess. But the thing that I kept doing, and I still had a peace in my heart, the thing that I kept doing was just praising God. People, I wasn't letting myself go into fear. I wasn't letting myself go into anger. I just honestly, before God, I was like, God, you know what? I know you've got me. You brought me through so much already. I know you've got this. And I know whatever the outcome is, you're good. And I, was, I would just bring my praise. And I'm telling you, it didn't allow me to get bitter. It didn't allow me to get mad at God. It didn't allow me to wonder, God, all these people in our ministry are being healed of the very same thing my wife is struggling with and yet my wife is not doing well God you got to give me something and I and literally I couldn't see anything but the goodness of God now you might say well that's denial no it's not it's because God's brought me on a journey of faith He's brought me on a journey of faith and living a life of knowing when I'm persuaded by God, nothing is going to persuade me out of that place because I have the faith of God in me. So number one, bring your praise. Number two, bring your thoughts. It says on, it continues on in this passage over in verse six, Philippians chapter four, verse six, he says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. What's everything? Everything that's bothering you. Everything that you're thinking about right now. All the thoughts that are invading your mind, that are overwhelming your mind, bring your thoughts. Bring your, uh, your anxieties. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, bring it to him. He can handle it. He's a big guy. He can handle it. Bring it. Bring it to him. Don't think that anything is too big for God. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, bring your thoughts. Paul says, bring or pray about everything. I would relanguage this like saying this, have constant conversations with God. Constantly. You guys, you don't need to be sitting in a, in a, in a bedroom like the pictures you see on TV with your knees at your bedside, you know, doing your prayers. You can do that all you want. That's great. Have constant conversations with God. Never stop talking with God. You're doing your laundry. You're cooking a meal. You're having a conversation with your kids. The cool thing about our spiritual life is that we get to learn to how, how to have two conversations at once. We have a spiritual conversation with God who's 24 hours a day with us, in communion with us, and then we're having conversations with others. And so I want to encourage you, have constant conversations with God all the time. Paul says it, pray about 
everything. Number three, third key that's going to unlock the door and I believe set us free from bitterness is to bring your needs. It says, uh, continues on, pray about everything. Then it says this, tell God what you need. What are your requests? What do you need right now? This is the thing. God knows what you need before you ever even ask him. So you think to yourself, why would I pray if God already knows what I'm going to ask him and already knows what I need because he wants you to process out loud. There's something therapeutic. I mean, this is this is like psychology 101. This is like counseling 101. When you talk out the things that are overwhelming you, it does something for you. But even more with God in our relationship, when you process out loud, all the things that we feel bombarded with, needs, financial needs, job needs, you know, children's needs, um, you know, marriage needs, or whatever the case may be, provision in some other area of our life, he just wants to hear you bring it to him. He wants, to, he wants you to bring your request to him. There's something that happens, there's an exchange that happens because he sees your faith. He says, Sean, you're, you're willing to, to bring, not just assume that I'm going to do it all, but that you're going to position your heart in faith to say, God, like, I really need this right now. This is a struggle. And it's honestly, it's more about me moving through a process than it is about God even hearing me and responding. He's already going to do it. But he's waiting for us to take a step, move to take the key and put it into the, to the lock and open the door. He's waiting for us. He's always on the other side of the door. So we got to bring our needs, bring our needs. Number four. The last key, bring your thanks. Bring your thanks to God. It says in, let me just continue on. It says, don't worry about everything or anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then it says, and thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. Oftentimes, we spend the majority of our life praying for help. God, get me out of this situation. God, if you get me out of this situation, then I'm going to like give my life to you. If you save my marriage, if you save my job, if you save my situation, if you get me out of this addiction, if you get me out of this or that, whatever the case may be for you, then I'll, you know, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life and I'm all in with you, you know? And we say stuff like that and then God gets us out of it. He answers our panic prayer, our anxiety prayer, but then we forget about the, the process of thanksgiving he wants, us to bring, he wants to bring us in. Sometimes I believe that we need to pray more and thank him more about all that he has done and is going to do than we do about just bringing our needs constantly to him and asking for help. Don't not do that. We're saying bring your needs and pray about everything. But we can't forget this last key. I think it's so important. We enter his gate. Psalm says, the, 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 David says, we enter his courts with praise we enter his uh, gates with thanksgiving. There's always something on the other side of that gate that you need. And I would say this, that even the things that you have not had breakthrough in, thank him for. Thank him that it's going to happen. Yes, thank him for what he has done, but even more, thank him for what he's going to do. And if you keep your heart in a place of thanksgiving, I mean, this is like motivational speaker 101. This is like self-help 101. Wake up 
and have an attitude of gratitude. Be thankful. There's something about, you know, what happens in your brain when you're in gratitude, what happens in your brain psychologically, even chemically, when you're in thanksgiving. But this is also, this is a spiritual thing as much as it's a, a, a natural neurological thing. We need to be thankful. Paul says, bring your thanks. Be thankful in all circumstances. Because Thanksgiving opens up doors. Let me continue reading and then we're going to close here. Verse 7, it says this, then, okay, so after you bring all these things, it says this, then in verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. This is a promise which exceeds anything we can understand. Then, when you bring all these things all the time, you're going to experience peace. Why do you need peace? Because when you have peace, those roots and those fruits that have been robbing you of life, those bitter roots, cannot live anymore in that kind of environment. It's like acidic versus alkaline. There are certain things that cannot live in an alkaline body. We want to bring our all these things day in and day out. So all the negative, all the things that are robbing our life, get uprooted from our life. He says this then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Then it says this, his peace will guard your hearts and minds. It will keep your heart right, guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I think... These first eight verses of Philippians are such powerful verses in this time that we're living in during this pandemic. And if we can begin to apply these things, I believe that it's God's design and desire to pull some of these deeply rooted things out of you in this season of isolation, that you would have a revelation and unveiling in your life of all the things that have tried to stop you. Maybe you're in your head a lot right now. I know that a lot of people, when they're not busy, and they're in isolation, they stay in their head a lot, and they start to think about and analyze and overanalyze, and they move into the analysis of, or the paralysis of analysis. They become paralyzed with analyzing everything and all the what-ifs, and is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? And uh, You know what? My prayer for you in this season is that above all of that, that at least you would get a hold of some of the things and become aware of some of the things that have been robbing you so that you can be aware of God's grace to set you free in this season. That when you come out of quarantine, that when you come out of isolation, that your leadership is better, that your parenting is better, that your business is better, that everything you do, everything you touch becomes better, that your attitude on life is better, that you're just healthy in your heart, that everything that you struggled with in the past no longer is a struggle because you dealt with the hard things in the hard season. Every hard season is a heart season. Every hard season is a heart season where God brings us to a place where we begin to examine the heart because out of the heart flow all the issues of life which ultimately direct the course of our life. And so my prayer for you this morning is that God would invade, that God would overwhelm, that God would literally eradicate this thing that has been robbing you. Maybe you're watching this morning and you've never let Jesus into your life and you've been living in, in this season. You've been like analyzing even more about what faith is. You've been analyzing, is God real? Is this Jesus God real? You know, and, and, and maybe you've been on a search. Maybe you fell onto this video, live video by accident. Somebody sent it to you. 
I know that nothing happens without a reason and a purpose. There are no coincidences, but only Godcidences. And I believe that you landed on this video. You're watching right now for a divine reason. You've been divinely interrupted in this season and God wants to set you free. God wants to open you up. God wants to come in and make his home in your life. And all you have to do, Romans 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and he's God and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, everything in your life will be changed. But that's just the decision. That's just the starting point. After that, it's all about a relationship. Jesus did not come to establish a religious system or infrastructure. He came to establish a relationship. That's why Paul says about the new covenant, the covenant that Jesus came to cut and to establish is a better covenant. The old covenant exposed our sin. The old covenant brought us to the end of ourselves. The law, it points us to the fact that, you know, we can't do it without God's grace. The new covenant introduces himself as the God of grace. That's why we're saved by grace through faith. Today is a day of grace for you. If you've landed on this page, you're watching right now on Facebook or on Instagram, I believe today is a day that's going to change your life and all you have to do is say yes. So I want to pray with you right now. If you're watching right now, I want to pray with you. I'll just ask you to close your eyes just to make this a moment between you and God. It's not an awkward moment. Just simply a moment where you can let him into your life and begin that relationship. Let's say this together. Say, Jesus I believe that you're God. I believe you're Lord. I want you in my life. Today I receive your forgiveness. I just confess that, hey, I'm kind of messed up right now. I don't know what's up. I don't know what's down. I don't know where I'm going in life. But I want purpose in life. And I believe that you are the God of purpose. And so today I say yes to you. Yes to relationship. And yes to my best life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that and you really meant it and you believe it in your heart, I want to encourage you, reach out to somebody in the chat room on this. Email us at prayer at kingdomculture.ca and we, we will do whatever we can to be there for you and help you uh, uh, navigate this next part of your journey. But for the rest of us right now, I want to continue and I want to pray and I want to believe that God is going to deliver you right now. I just believe right now that many of you right now that have been holding bitterness, young, middle-aged, and old, you've been holding bitterness, and you, you're, you're, you're realizing it now. Man, the way that I respond to my wife, the way I respond to my husband, the way I respond to my kids, all these things, the way I respond to God, things I don't want to talk about, things I don't want to do, all these things, the fear of failure. Maybe you failed, maybe you're living in regret. I just believe God right now literally is going to take his hand and pull some of those roots up, but you have to be open right now in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you are. I want you to lift your hands right now. Who cares about how awkward it may be? Maybe you're with your wife. Maybe right now you feel the power of God coming into your living room. I just believe heaven is coming into your living room in a real way, that your awareness now all of a sudden has increased. Man, God is going to set you free in this moment. No longer a cold heart. God's going to warm your heart. You're going to let it go in this season. And so I just pray, God, with everybody right now standing, everybody's hands raised right now, wherever they are, whether they're listening, even through a podcast, 
online or through video. God, I pray right now that you would overwhelm them with your love, that you'd overwhelm them with your grace, <clears throat> that God, you'd overwhelm them with your power right now. God, let your miraculous, supernatural power invade and overwhelm them right now in Jesus' name. I bind all that bondage right now. I bind it all up right now that's been holding us shackled in the area of bitterness, God. We just bind it up right now and we send it back to hell where it came from in Jesus' name, God. We pull those roots up right now in the spirit. We grab a hold of those deeply rooted, bitter uh, 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 experiences that we've had that have caused uh, a blockage and a shackled life. We just break the power of that right now in Jesus' name over everybody listening, over everybody watching. Now I pray, God, that you'd begin to, begin to bring healing, God. Begin to bring healing. Begin to bring healing. Some of you that are watching right now that, man, you have regret. Regret is something that you live with every day. It's something that you live with, you think about every day. You wish... You woulda, you coulda, you shoulda, that whole mentality. And I believe that God wants to deliver you right now from that. Change your mindset that today is a new day. No matter how old you are, you can start again in the spirit. There's no age in the spirit. God wants to start a new thing in you. You can make good decisions moving forward. You don't have to live dictated or governed by those regrets or those failures that have turned into Bitterness, which have turned into resentment and a resentment towards yourself, which now you, you cause others to feel it around you. I just pray, God, that you would set them free right now. You'd set them free. Someone watching right now, you just had some sort of um, a deal that was supposed to go through, a contract, but because of all the things that have been happening, something major that you were banking on. I feel like you even, you even made an investment in something as a result of believing you were gonna get the investment or get the contract or get this on the other, something over here. You, you made a commitment, a financial commitment over here and then this thing fell through because of what's going on right now in the world and you're bitter, you're upset. Maybe you're upset at God. Let me just tell you, if you lean in in this season and trust that God has your best interest in mind, he might have just saved you from something. That contract that you were banking on might have been not something that he wanted you to have. And I'm not saying that that's the, that, that's the case, but it might be the case. I want to encourage you to trust and lean into God. There's something even better going to come out of this season than that thing was ever going to bring. And I believe God has something great for you in this season. Some people have had to make some big, massive decisions in this last season, and it's affected their emotional, mental state, their emotional health. And I believe God wants to just set you free right now. I pray, God, for everyone's emotional and mental state right now that God you'd overwhelm them with an anxiety free presence right now an anxiety free joy God that you bring joy that in this season laughter would be one of the greatest things or the greatest experiences that we have as families as married couples and even as bachelors and bachelorettes that laughter God would be one of the greatest experiences that we have Proverbs says laughter does good like medicine it's medicine for the soul I pray that in this season God that you release supernatural joy in Jesus name in Jesus name well hey that concludes our day for today our kingdom culture live online so thankful that you joined us and um, you know we're excited about what's 
going to be this season. You know, we're taking it one step at a time, moment by moment. Please navigate with us. Follow us on social media. Subscribe to this channel. And we will see you this week, Wednesday, 8.30 live on our Instagram channel. And next Sunday as well, same time, 10.30. God bless you all, Kingdom Culture family and extended family and all those that will watch this after. We love you. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week.